What is going on, everyone? So today, I have the pleasure of interviewing someone who I've been following for quite some time now. He's someone who's excelled in both OA and the wholesale business model through Amazon FBA. So I'm sure it's going to provide great value to both new sellers and seasoned sellers. He, cons he consistently sells 100K or more each month on Amazon and also provides great quality information and content on his Instagram and YouTube at Oscar Martinez 817 Oscar, welcome, man. Welcome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Thanks. <laughs> sir, sir. Yeah, I've always been really impressed with your content, man. It's very authentic and real. And I think it's really important in a space where there's a lot of like disingenuous people, you know, and right. I think that's why you resonate with so many people, including myself. So mad props to you on that. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I just try to be myself giving out, you know, realistic advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do want to ask, though, like, um, do you ever like does it ever rub some people the wrong way? Do you ever get like upset DMs and whatnot? Or not really. I mean, I'm pretty sure it rubs people up, but I don't think they ever bother DMing me stuff. So. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure, for sure. See, that kind of like <clears throat> I receive well with that. Whenever I see some of your uh, content, like hell yeah, I was gonna tell them, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mad props to you. So, um, just could you just give like a quick introduction to the viewers about yourself and how you got started on Amazon? Were you already already reselling in other avenues prior to amazon or just kind of summarize what led you to amazon yeah so uh now that you think about it because i know when i was looking at the questions i actually was selling like on ebay before which i kind of forget sometimes but uh yeah uh, so as far as e-commerce space uh, i did some ebay little mercari poshmark all those platforms uh just flipping like uh, thrift stores you know clearance clothes from like dillard's or wherever uh also flipping just like Yu-Gi-Oh cards or whatever just a little side money but nothing like serious right so but yeah i mean i stumbled upon amazon in like 2019 okay. uh, i actually uh, saw a recommendation for like a wholesale drop shipping video from uh noah mensis uh shout out to him because he's been pretty helpful uh and so yeah i saw his stuff he was talking about like llc's ein numbers something that i never saw anybody talk about the, you know mm -hmm. as far as in the e-com space so i knew he was the real deal because he was actually talking about stuff like that and yeah i bought a little course from him uh, signed up for an amazon seller account sold a few items and yeah 2019 i kind of just played around didn't take it too serious i kind of just you know whatever mm -hmm. uh but then 2020 came started doing it a bit more 2021 you know buckled down even harder and then nice. 2022 23 yeah now we're here <laughs> hitting those six figure months yeah yeah so it's it's interesting I, I whenever i talk to people it's they never just go straight into amazon it's always they started selling on ebay first and or just you know flipping things during covid and kind of meander their way into amazon um for me personally i was always selling shoes back in the day it was more so meetups and stuff and then i kind of started venturing more so into uh shopify and like drop shipping and stuff which I feel like everyone tried that one time or another, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then that was just kind of difficult to even get started. And then went to sneaker selling and that was that was actually profitable, especially during COVID. A lot of honestly, yeah. any department of reselling, I think during COVID, you can make money on. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. then, uh, <laughs> big I time. COVID, I think people got people that were into reselling made a lot of money. Um, whereas on the other hand, a lot of people also lost their jobs and whatnot. But right. we were in the reselling department during COVID. It was it was a good time. Um, so interesting, awesome, awesome. So um, when you started selling on Amazon, was there was there a time where you were like, okay, this is much better than just selling on eBay? Like, because you were selling on eBay, what made you kind of stick with Amazon? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, with Amazon, it's like when you make your listings or jump on listings you kind of like just back off someone else's listing already right so you don't have to like create your own images titles description all of that mm -hmm. uh, whereas ebay you have to put all that extra work into making the listing right like you actually have to take your own photos and so uh i saw that and i was like that's pretty cool you kind of just back off someone else's listing and you just you know list them or whatever and right. so i saw that it was more easier doing that and then the FBA program too, never actually having to ship out orders on like eBay oh. where you have to send out your own stuff. And then just the velocity, right? Uh, yeah. Like if I sell 10 items on eBay, I probably could in a month, I could have sold them on Amazon in like a day or a week. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's a really um, you know not talked about as much on eBay too. Like I'll liquidate a lot of things that you know are like used, like apparel or something that I can't sell on Amazon. But I have to use that. I have to spend a little bit on that ad, right? The ad percentage that eBay offers. Whereas you know juxtapose that with Amazon, we're selling another brand, so we don't have to push ads. You know, and I don't think people really appreciate that until they start their own business and they realize, well, no one knows what my fucking business is, and I gotta push out all this money onto ads. Whereas you don't got to worry about that on Amazon unless, you know, you're doing private label. But right. it's, it's a really good time to be selling, uh, especially with Amazon in its full capacity now. Because, you know, 10 years ago, this wasn't even an option, right? You had to go eBay route or whatnot when you were selling stuff online or just meetups. So, okay. So you started selling on Amazon. You said about 2019, you didn't take it seriously. So 2020, 2021, that's when you started getting more serious. I take it, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And was it just that course? Because I know the course was more so wholesale drop shipping. What kind of led you to actual OA and getting serious with OA? Because that's what you did first, correct? OA prior to wholesale? Uh, well, it's, it, it's weird. Actually, like I did a wholesale drop shipping, which also kind of led me to explore regular wholesale with FBA. So uh, I actually did wholesale, well, try to do wholesale second. Uh-huh. Uh, but I quickly realized how much more capital you actually need for wholesale. And so uh, I really got screwed up on one ASIN that I went pretty deep in uh, because I was, low, I was low on money too, right? Like I didn't start out with like uh, thousands in credit line or capital or anything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just had like a thousand dollars to my name that I saved up. So, but yeah, so I, I dipped that into wholesale, got really screwed out on that one ASIN and that made me take a step back and really, uh, focus on like RA and then slowly move into OA at the same time, uh, especially with COVID times. It, it was just one of those moments where right. you kind of do both and really just crush it. Right. So, but gotcha. yeah, so I, I did a mixture of all three and then kind of stuck with OA after that. Okay. All right. So so walk through that. So it was drop shipping wholesale. Then you kind of moved over to OA and that's when you got serious was when you started getting to OA. Correct. So, yeah. As, as it stands today, what is your primary uh, Amazon FBA business model? Uh, wholesale at this point, uh, 90% 100%. wholesale and then like 10% OA. Okay. I'd imagine during Q4, are you going to try to do a little bit more uh, of OA? I was, but since we've been finding more suppliers now, we've just been finding more products. I might just try to do all wholesale at this point, if I'm being honest. Is it is it the same kind of concept? I, I don't. I mean, I doubt wholesaler or, or distributors are giving you huge discounts like you'd find with OA. But is there is there some sort of similarity in that during Q four? As far as like discount, just discounts or just something like something where the distributor will kind of be more lenient about giving you a better price. Uh, nah, not really. <laughs> yeah, so. with okay. OA, it's more you know they're trying to throw coupons at you with wholesale yeah. is no <laughs> so you'll get the same price you got back in january in october or whatnot for the most part. yeah okay. yeah for the most part gotcha so what were the primary reasons and I, this is i was really curious about this so when i when i first followed you right you were really championing oa and you know i got a kick out of all your content and then i saw you go to wholesale i was like damn why you gotta do that oscar right because i really liked your oa content so i'm really curious what were the primary reasons that you navigated from OA to wholesale? A lot of them. Uh, you know, in the beginning, when you're doing OA at a small scale, it's easy to manage, right? You're able to keep track of your inventory, bad what buys. What would you say small scale? Uh, less than six figures a month, at least. Okay. Probably closer to like 50K or less or so. Okay. Uh, but yeah, once you start getting bigger and bigger it really starts getting kind of annoying to keep track of so much with OA uh you know returns missing units from suppliers uh tank and products I mean like even right now I still have a few OA products that literally almost all of them are tanked like it's crazy so definitely I I say the tanking was the number one reason because now as 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 I'm more into wholesale I'm actually having replans that are actually sticking with me more now versus OA products where we'll try them for a few weeks and then next thing you know, they're not good anymore. Yeah. 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 That lifespan for certain listings for OA can, can suck for sure. Um, So I guess what is the most significant difference for better or worse? Have you realized from OA to wholesale, if you can provide some just series of advantages that you've 
experience strictly with wholesale as it pertains to uh, disadvantage to OA? Because I know you were going through the price tanking and stuff, but how about the advantages of wholesale? Yeah, uh, I mean, less competition. I mean, okay. like with the OA uh, stuff, you kind of see 20 plus, 100 plus people on one listing with wholesale, probably no more than 20 if even that much. And even 20 is too much. So uh, yeah, 10 people max. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I figured the, uh, the competition would be one of the driving reasons, but I've also heard that, you know, even in wholesale prices can tank due to competition. Is that true? Do you find experience that a lot? It sounds like you don't have much experience of that. I have, uh, it does happen. So from time to time, just not as much compared to always. So like probably for every one that happens in wholesale, you'll have like 20 and always that happen or so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what about, some disadvantages with wholesale that you've experienced that you kind of miss about OA. Uh, definitely the Rakuten money, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the oh, cash yeah. back. Right. Uh, that um, I say probably OA was maybe a bit more hands off in a way, you know, since mm. uh, you oh, kind really? of outsource some of that. Because oh, uh, okay. with wholesale, it's more like you have to be manage more. You know, like uh, I don't have a warehouse, but since I have my own like preppers in house and stuff, it you kind of have to manage more personally with actual employees and stuff versus like with OA, you can kind of have a more hands-off approach, right? Okay. Okay. Well, I guess it sounds like you, so you have your warehouse, everything's done prep in-house. It sounds like. Yeah, correct. Okay, so you don't outsource your uh, wholesale business to a prep center. No. Oh, okay. So is that, was that a, uh, the bottom line was more uh, profitable in that route? Is that why? Uh, yeah, profitable, uh, better control of our inventory. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. because I actually have someone that kind of manages that aspect now more. So I'm not even like in there as much managing even the inventory myself. So it's kind okay. of mostly hands off too. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think because I'm I'm around 40k and it's already like getting to the point where some things kind of slip through the cracks. You know. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's sometimes I feel like I'm spending more time like talking to my prep center about like, Hey, what didn't show up and something came up damaged. Um, I would imagine even with wholesale, right? You get a lot of, a lot of shipments, but at least it's just one ASIN, I guess, right? You're speaking with one direct, uh, entity rather than dealing with all these different retailers. Is that more easier part of it when there is something that comes up damaged or missing? Oh yeah. Way easier for sure. Uh, like if it's one ace and sometimes we'll at least know exactly what we're missing or if something came broken versus mm-hmm. with like, Oh wait, if you're making multiple shipments, you kind of just go through each box, hoping right. that everything's in there. So yeah, it okay. makes it much easier. So, so knowing that what you know now with wholesale in hindsight, would you have started from the very beginning uh, with wholesale? Uh, assuming you had the capital, assuming you had the capital, would you have started wholesale over OA? Yeah, uh, if I had the capital and it wasn't a big issue, I would probably definitely start off with wholesale more. Okay. Okay. And I hope you don't mind me asking you OA stuff too. I think it would be great because I'm sure a lot yeah, of people are watching this. I feel like there's still a larger percentage of people that are OA too. And I know you were, you were a beast with OA as well. Um, so during, uh, in the midst of your OA business, how much time are you spending sourcing and how much time do you think a new seller should be sourcing? So let's see. Sourcing was, I mean, in the beginning, I definitely put in my hours, right? Like, I would get out of my job and literally from like 5 till 12 a.m., sometimes 1 a.m. in the morning, I'll just be learning and sourcing stuff. Uh, but that's just me. <laughs> I'm that yeah. driven. I'm, I'm that driven myself. But uh, right. uh, for someone else who may not be and they just kind of want to definitely put in some work, I say at least two, three hours max every day if possible. Right. And you say other people, I, I honestly think if you're not that driven, especially with coming into Amazon, I feel like more than likely you'll end up giving up anyways. And, and I, I that's kind of, kind of, I attribute that back to what I was saying. Like I, when I had a company prior, uh, we sold it off, but like all that was spent, most of my time during that company was spent thinking about how we can produce ads, how we can get more clicks. And I can appreciate this model so much more now because I don't have to deal with any of that. That's so much stress involved. This is just learning. I don't have to spend money to learn. I can just keep looking at listings, meticulously looking at keep a charts and learning. So I think if you're coming in as a new Amazon seller, uh, you have to be that driven, in my opinion, especially the first three months, because I'm sure you get those DMs where it's like, 
hey, I spent two, three hours sourcing. I couldn't find anything. All right. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, do six hours, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. What's the answer going to be, you know? Uh, so, okay. So during OA, um, what was your most effective methods of sourcing? Well, back in the day, it was reverse sourcing, you know, storefront stalking or whatever, you, whatever they call it these days. That was definitely <laughs> the golden way to source. Uh, right. These days, I probably wouldn't even rely on that method anymore. But right. uh, number one is always going to be manual sourcing, regardless if it's OA wholesale or whatever. It's always going to be the best method. I think it always ends up being manual. Like for me, it's like all about finding a site that you get familiar with, but you don't find those sites until you reverse source and kind of meander your way through it. And then you're not going to get there until you meticulously go through all the liftings. Right. Yeah. Um, so I remember last year uh, you were, you know, really championing spending time and investing your time into sourcing during Q4. So can you tell me um, last year, I think your Q4 was a success. How did you prepare for Q4 and what advice would you give to new sellers uh, during this time of the year? Yeah, so uh, I think this will be my well fourth Q4 coming up now. So okay. uh, at this point, we just really prepared double and down on our best ASINs now. You know, so like okay. right now, I got, right now I got like five to ten ASINs that are performing really well. So all I'm really going to be doing is buying like double, triple the amount of inventory for those ASINs and just hoping we sell out pretty well, which we probably will. Uh, but as far as like advice for new sellers, you know. Uh, Definitely be careful with your cash flow. You know, don't uh, overspend too much if you're not 100% sure that it'll work out. Because, uh, especially with toys and stuff, right? Like, you got to be careful with so many uh, offer count going up. Uh, you definitely want to overstock on supplies like tape, boxes, uh, whatever you think you need. You should probably get double that amount, anyways. Right. Uh, and just uh, be ready to FBM. Uh, I'll, I'm not, I haven't read fully the Amazon storage capacity yet, but I'm pretty sure it'll get cut off and you'll only have a limited amount of FBA space to send in. So be ready to put in some FBM work as well. Right, right. So um, during during right now your wholesale business, um, what are there certain categories that you kind of prefer uh, selling in? Uh, and is it different than how you looked at OA? I'd imagine there's some same similarities, right? Like if I go with the categories that have less return rates and et cetera, could you just kind of expand on that? Yeah. Uh, and you're right. Uh, as far as categories, it's kind of the same in either model you go. Uh, we've always been grocery beauty type of categories ourselves. So okay. yeah, the return rates pretty low on those two categories for us and yeah, they've, they've worked. Okay. Um, so, so beauty, you don't see a lot of returns with beauty not too much more more than groceries but not as much yeah that's crazy i feel like i must be anomaly because most of my beauty or not most of them definitely way better than apparel and stuff but i i tend to have a little more uptick on my beauty returns than like you know health and household and stuff like that but i find that no one else uh relates to that than me so i don't know why maybe my i don't know why it's weird but that's great that's great um so um for a new seller who wants to dabble into wholesale, can you just kind of enumerate the different types of documents that they need to be equipped with before they start contacting distributors and brands? Yeah, so uh, you'll need to, well, you don't need to be, but I would highly advise you to be an S-Corp or an LLC at the least. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you want to look as a legitimate business to businesses, right? So. Uh, you need to sign up for an EIN number, which is like a business social security number. And you'll also need a reseller's permit or mm. it might be called something else depending on the state. But I know here right. in Texas, that's what we call it. So but as far as documents, that's really all you'll need. Right. Yeah. And then the, that that resale license, you got to file quarterly, which I did not realize <laughs> last year. And, then I, and I was like, late. I'm like, oh, shit, dude. Um, but yeah, awesome, awesome. So, um, when you are when you started venturing into wholesale, um, what were your various types of ways and methods of finding distributors, and did one method work better than the other? Yeah, so there's different ways, you know, using Google, which is number one. Uh, trying LinkedIn, trying Yellow Pages, uh, and even driving around 
any industrial park business areas, uh, which has been my most effective way of finding suppliers is actually driving around some of the companies and seeing them in person. Hmm. Okay. So, so the, the distributor relationships that you have right now, were they all conducted through person, person contact, or you call them? Uh, I mean, I've called all of them, but I've also told them we're here locally too. So it, it wasn't too hard to really open those accounts. Okay. So, so can you walk me through that first, the first one you find? Cause I think the very first, um, relationship or contract or distributor that you find is probably the most toughest one because i'm sure after you find one more than likely you have a relationship with them some cachet and maybe you can get some more products so how did how were you able to find that very first one uh google actually i just typed in like i think it was home decor wholesaler or something like that and i just like opened up a few tabs checked some out see if they're legitimate and i ended up applying for an account and i filled out the form and got approved really how did you how, how do you differentiate a legitimate one from something that doesn't seem legitimate? Uh, one of the first things is definitely you shouldn't be able to see their pricing online uh, okay. because they should only be selling to businesses, not just everyday people. So that's one way. Uh, another way they should be requiring an EIN number or your resellers permit from you as well or both. So it just depends on the supplier on that, too, though. But those are the main things you should be looking for. Okay. And is there any kind of advice you can give when people are calling or meeting with them? Just some things that they, you want to approach the, the sales rep with before uh, you start kind of negotiating about price? Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as like, you mean like open an account at least? Just I guess like how, how let's say, you know, you, you found a, a distributor with good ASINs. You don't know the price yet. So you don't, you don't know if the catalog's profitable or not. But how would you first approach a phone call or even meeting them? Like how, walk me through your approach to that. Yeah, so I mean, I'll just pick up the phone and chances are you're gonna talk to a clerk or someone first. So I'll usually okay. just be like, you know, hello, may I speak to whoever's in charge of opening a wholesale account with you guys? And from there, they'll direct you or give you even their phone numbers. Okay. Uh, and so from there, you just hit them up, call them and be like, hey, you know, I'm Oscar, you know, owner of such and such company. Mm -hmm. uh, we do blank amount of revenue per year. Uh, we spend this amount. If you can mention how much you, you're willing to spend on inventory, that'll actually open their ears because right. okay. they'll hear all, all that money that you're probably going to spend with them maybe. So, but right. uh, after that, you know, we'll just be like, hey, you know, uh, we heard that you carry such and such brands and wanted to see if we can open an account with you guys or request a catalog, right? Uh, and, then, and then just go from there and then from there they'll let you know more details so but uh, you know just something short and simple don't overcomplicate it either you know don't don't mention amazon if you don't have to mention amazon or anything okay so you have you been turned down multiple times by mentioning amazon or do you just try never to mention amazon unless they obviously might they might ask directly correct yeah i mean i don't straight up front tell them hey i'm an amazon seller uh, you right. definitely don't want to do that uh, I, I, i'm more approaching of like we're a distribution network and we sell in multiple platforms, you know? Uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, if they ask about Amazon, I'll be honest about it. And mm -hmm. if they don't, then, you know, they will just proceed forward, really. Have you been turned down directly due to mentioning, well, not mentioning, but when they ask you and you reply and tell them that you're going to be selling on Amazon, did they, is that one of the deal breakers for them? On phone, surprisingly, not as much, but through email, yes. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So um, when you are reaching out to a distributor like that you found, let's say you Googled and whatnot, do you always recommend picking up the phone, calling them, even if they are very responsive via email? Yeah, I would definitely try to call, you know, because they're receiving hundreds of emails every day and chances are they're not going to see yours. Okay. So t tell me, tell the viewers like how difficult it is to find a profitable catalog. Cause I know it's, it's pretty easy. I wouldn't say easy, but it's a relatively easy opening accounts, but it's the, the catalogs, right. That, that, that are difficult to scour and find profitable ASINs. Is that right? Yeah. It's definitely time consuming for sure. Especially if they have like thousands of products. I mean, the, the one account we opened a few weeks ago, they had like over 30,000 products to go through. So <laughs> that was okay. a huge catalog. 
So, so I'm sure you use some sort of software and program for that for that aspect, right? So, could you can you kind of go through what all softwares and whatnot that you use during your uh, plight with wholesale? Yeah. So, if they offer like spreadsheets, Google Sheets, we'll use something like Scan Unlimited to mm-hmm. filter out some things on there, okay. uh, and we'll use Scan Unlimited just to see if we find anything that's profitable up front. So, we'll okay. put our criteria and just see if anything pulls up, right? So. Uh, and if it shows something, then we'll proceed manual sourcing that, the rest of the catalog. Uh, and if it doesn't, then we'll kind of probably just skip that supplier entirely. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, if they don't have a catalog for its spreadsheet or Excel, then we'll just manual source the entire site. Okay, gotcha. Um, so you mentioned criteria, right? So what is um, your buying criteria with wholesale? And is it... Let's go through that first. What's your buying criteria with wholesale as of right now? Yeah, uh, if it's just a quick label, the velocity is good, dollar minimum, uh, okay. ROI at least 15% minimum. Okay. But again, if it's super fast, I mean, we're okay with that. If it's okay. like a bundle, two pack, sometimes two to three dollars, it just depends, uh, at least 20 to 25% ROI. Okay. Um, and is there, what about like the seller drink? Is there a minimum seller drink that you're looking for when you when you look for a high velocity that determines that dollar amount profit that you're looking for? Uh, as far as rank, I mean, as long as probably less than ten thousand at least. Okay. Okay. Wow. So it is flying one. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, uh, what are three really important tasks that a new seller should focus on? when they're going through the wholesale model. If you had to pin it down the three most important tasks that they should perfect, what would those three be? Yeah, for wholesale, definitely learn Keepa, master Keepa, like <laughs> read Keepa. Keepa's never going away, pretty much. <laughs> uh, second, if you're opening wholesale accounts, focus on the relationship with your sales rep for sure. Uh, that's gonna be your biggest advantage in wholesale is you know, getting real close with your suppliers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number three, be impatient because sourcing through those catalogs can be very time consuming. And if you're, if you're not, if you're not patient with it, you're going to quit. Like no doubt. Yeah. If you're, if you're already getting tired of sourcing two hours a day for OA, it sounds like wholesale is a whole nother animal when it comes to patience. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, when you were analyzing listings, uh, with Keepa through the wholesale model, how was it different? would you say that it is analyzing a listing uh, when you were in the OA lens? Uh, so there's not much difference. I say the main difference is definitely seeing uh, sellers review counts more because with wholesale, your feedback does play more into getting the buy box versus kind of like OA, RA. So uh, that's one aspect I definitely like to look at when it comes to looking at listings because you'll see some keeper charts where it'll show one seller getting like 90% buy box and they have like six figure reviews on their storefront. So uh, that's something we take into consideration deeply. Even if it sells like a thousand units a month, we'll still buy like 20 units minimum just to not go too deep because of that buy box percentage. I see. So so I guess on a, on a particular listing where it's apparent that there's a bunch of wholesalers on that listing, how, because I know you're saying relatively most wholesale listings, they're not tanking. So is there some way that you can, you're not communicating, but how, how does that, how does the price hold so well when the listing is just a bunch of wholesalers? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing just the buy rotates pretty well for everybody, right? So, okay. uh, and everybody's just getting a little piece of the pie until they sell out or, you know, just kind of something like that because unlike with OA, the more sellers you get, the more buy box rotation you're losing because of more sellers. So, uh, okay. at least with wholesale, you kind of get a chance of actually selling some products, and you don't have the need to tank it as much. I see. So, when you go on certain listings, and you know you have your distributor, um, are more than likely the other sellers on that listing are also going through your distributor that you found, or they're they're just sporadically from other distributors. Uh, some of them, yeah, it looks like it might be from different suppliers because okay. when we're storefront stocking some of them, uh, I figured, yeah, you go look on the <laughs> store and like, oh, this is, this guy's definitely buying from here. Right. Yeah. You can kind of tell which suppliers they're probably buying or not buying from. So, okay. So your suppliers, they're all from distributors, right? None of the, none of the brand direct 
I'm sure it's really difficult to get a brand direct contact. We got two brands we work with. Uh, oh, shit. Nice. But the but the majority is distributors though. Okay. So when you contact when you got this uh, deal with the brand directly, was it a different approach than just a, another uh, distributor? Yeah, uh, with brand it's definitely more different, right? Because with distributors, all they care about is moving their inventory. They really don't care who they sell to, so right. uh, it's much easier with them. With brands, they're more emotionally attached to their products. You know, they mm -hmm. care about the reputation about it, so. Uh, they kind of look, just don't want to sell to anybody selling their products. Right. I think getting a, a deal like that with the brand direct is like the holy grail because then you know damn well if any issues arose, you have an invoice from the brand themselves and they can give you that authorization letter, you know. Um, so that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I'm sure that's probably what you prefer, right, would be brand direct. You probably get a better better rate with them too, but you're not going through a middleman. Yeah, uh, and sometimes it depends because there are some brands where it's actually much cheaper with distributors. So really, you, oh, okay, yeah. that would make sense actually. Okay, distributors are buying way more from the brand, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So since you've done both OA and wholesale, now that you've been in OA, OA, you've already told me kind of some of the pitfalls of new sellers that go into online arbitrage as it pertains to wholesale. Uh, what do you think is the largest pitfall for Amazon sellers who attempt the wholesale model? Because I know you have a group and stuff like that, and we'll go, go over that later on. But I'm sure you have you have members in there that are probably stuck and whatnot. So what is what was the number one thing that new wholesalers get stuck on? Finding suppliers. <laughs> That's yeah. the number one thing. <laughs> Finding yeah. suppliers. Okay. And in that, within that finding suppliers, is it because they're not putting enough time or are they just scared to pick up the phone? Are they scared to meet with them directly? What what could it be? I say probably a mix of both of the things you just mentioned. So mm -hmm. a lot of them kind of expect Google to kind of give them the supplier right away on the first page. So, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, you got to scout through the second, third, 10th, 11th page. Uh, mm -hmm. You got to try different keywords, you know, just because you type in Texas grocery wholesaler does not mean you're going to get every result just for those keywords, you know? You can get more specific. You can try grocery distributor, just you know, different ways. And then calling. I mean, people are really scared to call, <laughs> which is surprising. So yeah, uh, I think calling is not so intimidating as being in person. I feel like calling is honestly it's a blessing because you can make such a good relationship just over the phone. You don't have to meet up with them. You know. Yeah. Um, that's why I think if you're just I'm not I'm not I don't do wholesale, but I've I've had my run with private label, and you have to you know make a relationship with a lot of avenues and private label with wholesale. If you're just emailing them, I'd imagine they just look at you as a number, you know, just like you're looking at them as a number when you email. Yeah, them, right. So basically, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. so um, would you still, have you gotten hit with any really stressful issues with wholesale? Uh, last year we did, we had a supplier we were buying pretty good inventory from, but for some reason we had to like stop with them or they stopped with us actually. So it's uh, which kind of, uh, they they stopped selling you just out of nowhere, no reasoning. Yeah, I mean there was some issues going on in their end, so we had to stop. Uh, which really sucked because around that time that supplier was probably like sixty percent of our business actually. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah, we had to really uh, you know, adapt <laughs> pretty big time from there. So well, that sucks. It, it it should naturally you would think you have a relationship, such a good relationship with them that would be long lasting. Where it sounds like for you, just kind of abruptly ended huh yeah i mean okay. not with the sales rep you know personally it was more like the company had issues or something so okay so how did you overcome that did you just work harder in finding a new relationship or uh, what did you do at that time did you watch that relationship yeah we kind of just doubled more down on oa actually after that uh, just because we kind of got used to that supplier so i really didn't Put in more work to find new suppliers like that so that was a big mistake on my end actually huh. wow so that, that's it that, you have a really good um toolbox because if you it sounds like if something happened with wholesale like you lost a brand or whatnot you can always just go back to your oa stomping grounds if you will and then just kind of make time make money off of that until you find you know expand your wholesale business again so yeah that's that's a big positive going from oa to wholesale it's pretty cool pretty cool um 
I also wanted to ask, have you ever had to provide invoices um, due to inauthentic complaints and stuff like that from distributors where I would imagine an invoice from distributor is almost as good as the brand themselves. But I've also heard that even with distributors invoices, it can cause issues. Have you had any kind of issues like that? I think like once and yeah, I mean, the Amazon's algorithm or whatever, it's just really dumb sometimes. So, but yeah, I mean, if you got an invoice from a wholesaler, it is way more legit than like a retail receipt or something. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, aside from like that one time, everything's been pretty good as far as being accepted. So is it true? Like I would say, let's say you're buying from, I'm trying to think of a beauty brand that, um, I don't know. Let's say you're buying from a really reputable beauty beauty brand retail site, right? And it's the brand themselves. And if you get some sort of inauthentic complaint, you got to provide invoices, not a receipt, but I feel like a brand order confirmation is pretty legitimate, right? Because it's coming straight from the brand. Um, right. Whereas if it's a distributor um, and you provide the invoice and Amazon rejects it, for me personally, I would be like, what the hell, right? And I've heard that Amazon has their own kind of list of authorized distributors. Do you do you know anything about that? And does that hold any weight? Yeah, I've heard of that too, but I've never really like dug deep into that to really say if it's true or not, to be honest. Because uh, I've also heard, you know, they say that, but they also use that to steal your suppliers and stuff. So I don't, I really don't know. Are you from Amazon to steal your supplies? Suppliers? That's that's what I've heard. Some people say that they'll get like request your invoice to steal the suppliers that you're using. <laughs> so. Oh, wow. Also, oh, they're, they're like a double agent back there also selling on Amazon. Yeah, that that's what I've heard. Hey, that would <laughs> be really interesting. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll, you'll, just, you'll just check. If you work there, you'll just check if they're selling your listing and just reject their invoice, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, how, I guess one... Um, complaint that i've heard with wholesale and it's not really a complaint but it's definitely a disadvantage and i i have that kind of disadvantage with private label is the lead time so i would imagine for q4 you're probably trying to buy as early as possible right try to get everything in there as, much, as fast as possible you're probably projecting how much sales you're going to make so walk me through like right now you're probably looking at how much you've sold the past few months how are you gauging how much inventory you have to buy when it comes to projecting the estimated sales that are going to come for people. Yeah. So, I mean, it comes down really to spending, right? So if we're spending like 50,000 one month, we can kind of assume we'll double that in revenue. Double. Uh, assuming, assuming we sell most of our inventory. So really we're just, you know, if we want to hit 200K, we'll need to spend around 100K. And so yeah. we're just looking for the inventory to make up for those numbers and then just buying that inventory really. Right, right. And I'm sure with those listings that you mentioned, if you look at the keeper graph for last year, they're probably just like, like this, right? Yeah, like little like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm sure even if you didn't sell out, I'm sure you'll be good for January to sell out. You know. Um, yeah. So, so you mentioned earlier on uh, when you first started, you didn't have that much capital, or else you would have just started wholesale. So as it stands now, how are you obtaining capital? Is it just straight capital that you profited, or are you still taking business loans out? Do you have a line of credit? Can you walk me through that, please? Yeah, uh, credit cards have definitely been super helpful. Uh, I actually got approved for the Chase Business Premier or nice. something like that. That's the one with the annual fee, right? Yeah, that's the one that like, if you spend 5,000 on each order, you'll get like more cash back or something, so. Right. As is, uh, is it the 750 promo, right? I think so, yeah, yeah something nice. like that. Yeah. So. But yeah, uh, definitely credit cards. Uh, we have an Amazon loan as well, uh, but I really don't try to take out loans. Uh, only only did it because of Q4 though, so I'm not right. too worried about it. But yeah, mainly just credit cards if possible. I really don't want to overextend myself either too much. Right, right. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think whenever I mention credit cards to just people, it kind of rubs them the wrong way. I've, I've always been one, even... With my personal cards, I've always, you know, rotated out credit cards. I just, I just love that shit. I just love getting the, the promo, two years, knock it out, get the new promo, whatever, you know. And um, well, now that I'm out taking business credit cards, I do the same damn thing to that even more so, right? Because 
Like, right. like that's why when you said that that Chase business card, I think so. It's seven hundred fifty promo, and then during Q four last year, they upped it to nine hundred, which is just insane wow. because no other credit card is even scratching seven fifty, let alone nine hundred. Yeah. And, and and Chase also lets you, which is crazy to me, because that that premiere that you mentioned, that's like in a family of like four other Chase Unlimited cards, right? Yeah. And they won't, they'll let you get all four and they'll give you the 750 on all four. So, <laughs> I didn't know so, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you got to do it strategically. Like I would, um, what I've tried to do is I don't like taking loans out unless it's 0% APR. And if yeah. there's enough credit cards out there, if you have good credit, obviously, and you can manage your credit cards, you know, um, you can rotate out like every one, two years, uh, year APR. Um, you all obviously have to have a good credit score if you want to get a win. I mean, look good at the VIPR if you don't give you a five star, right? But, um, so yeah, Amazon loan is great because I'm sure you're projecting a lot of sales. Uh, me personally, I just, as it, as it stands right now, I'm not getting any interest on it. That's just gonna, I feel like it's gonna, yeah. you know, um, okay. So, um, if, if knowing what you know now, if the new seller, not, not you, because you already had a really good business acting and you already had good drive. Um, the new naive seller, if they were to start and they had, let's say, $10,000, uh, let's go, let's go, $5,000 new seller on Amazon, would you recommend them to start on OA or would you recommend, recommend them to start with wholesale? Yeah, so $5,000, I'd probably recommend a little OA at least just to... Mm-hmm understand the foundation of amazon uh right you know just sell a few units learn how to prep your products how to put a fsq label how to deal with the return you know just basic stuff like that uh and then once you get the hang of it and you know how to manage it then you could definitely transition into also with the rest so. right right um yeah i think i think jumping right into wholesale would be tough like we've you've already mentioned like lead time and all this other like moving parts with wholesale um and i feel like if you're just starting on amazon like people people get so intimidated just to send a a, a box to the amazon fba warehouse you know so <laughs> yeah. i i think i think when you first start just hell even just fbming some orders um i feel like a lot of people they don't really get that confidence until they actually see the sale on their Amazon app. Yeah. Like the, what they call it, the proof of concept or whatever. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I think some people are still so like, um, they're not too sure of how Amazon works and they're not even sure if their shit really will sell. Um, yeah. I mean, it's such a weird concept. A lot of people don't even know about third party sellers. I feel like most people don't. Um, yeah. I didn't know about third party sellers until I started getting really into Amazon. So sometimes when I, when there's not a buy box, I'm almost amazed at how sales are still happening because I, I don't think I would have found that other seller button, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> That's so true. So, so, okay. How about, how about let's lower it down. Would you, do you believe someone can start selling on Amazon FBA with $1,000? Yeah. Cause that was me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you started without, with 1000, no loans, no credit card and you just piled that up. Yeah, and even that one thousand dollars, three hundred of that went to an LLC here in Texas. So yeah. Yeah. I really only had like seven hundred bucks, probably even like only five hundred after buying a few supplies and stuff. So yeah. Wow. Okay. So at that time, were you really focused on RA to be really high profitable items? So, I mean, honestly, I I did a mix of so much that I kind of just. I don't know. My profits were not like that, honestly, if I'm being honest. Like, nobody, like, when I started, there was not as much information as they are there is today. You yeah. know, like, nobody told me, hey, if you do RA, you should be shooting for 50% ROI. I was yeah. more on the mindset of, I just need to sell something and make something. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Okay. So, were you doing a lot of, a lot more RA when you first started rather than OA? Because I'd imagine. Like you said, there's not as much information. So you're probably just saying, okay, let me just go and find something profitable, scan it, and go send it to Amazon, right? Yep. Yeah, I did some RA. Yeah. Gotcha. So what was that breakthrough moment? Because I'm sure you know you were starting to sell Amazon. You, you hadn't taken it seriously initially. So was there something that happened where you were just like, oh, shit, well, I can I can really start making some money here, right? Because at that time, you still had a job, right? You had a nine-to-five job. 
Right. But there had to be some time where it gave you that confidence that you're like, okay, I'm gonna leave this job now. I'm ready to leave the job. Uh, yeah, my boss had pissed me off pretty bad one day, so that really kind of motivated me to be like, yeah, I need to do something about just my life in general and not, you know, be somewhere in the position where someone gets mad at me for whatever reason and I really can't do much about it. <laughs> and so that's where Amazon really started going in there more. So for someone who feels like they're stuck at uh, a dead end job and whatnot, is there some sort of, not a formula, but is there some sort of number that you would advise them to hit or like profitable wise or just maybe a ratio of their bills versus their profits, some sort of numerical advice that you'd give them before they opt in, dip on their job? Uh, yeah, so it depends on your situation, right? If you got a family, because like, I got a family, so even when I quit, I still have to really double think about it. Yeah. Uh, you definitely want to be more careful if you have responsibilities aside from like, just bills, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if it's like just a regular 20 year old, no responsibilities, you can kind of take that risk more quicker and just really right. go all in. But as far as like a numeric number, I would really shoot for at least double your profits, which you're making from your job. So let's say if you get paid 4,000 a month at your job, I would shoot for 8,000, 6,000 minimum, mm-hmm. uh, just because Amazon is a real cash flow heavy intense game. And, you can't guarantee that you'll sell your products, all of it, on the next month, every single month. So uh, right. definitely something to think about. Right. That's a good. Generally speaking, I think that you hit it on the uh, on the target there, six to eight thousand. You know, it really depends on where you live too. Like if you're in California, yeah. I'm sure, you know, it's crazy. But you're right. If they're just some twenty year old uh, living at the parents' house, and yeah, by all means, I think to kind of tribute to what you're saying, if you already have a job. Especially if you're working from home and whatnot, uh, I would just take that and let it supplement the money that you make from your main job or your nine to five job and just put it into Amazon. Um, I would say also, in addition to what you said, go a full year first because you could make a bunch of money during Q4 and then January hits. January is still decent, but you know it's nothing like you know the last three months, right? Yeah. So you make great money for a few months and then you're like, yeah, I'm gonna quit, and then. Now, you know, spring comes around, you're not making half of that. You're like, well, shit, I need my job back, you know? So I think at least 12 months, and you went whole, you were, you were selling for like two, how many years were you selling Amazon before you quit? Uh, like full-time? Yeah. Uh, next month will be my second year, actually. Oh, wow. Okay, awesome. But like how many years were you into Amazon before you quit your nine to five? Oh, before I quit. Uh, another two years, because I've been doing this for like four years now. So yeah, half and half. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, for for the new Amazon seller, uh, despite if they're doing OA or wholesale, what would you believe to be the most effective way for them to jump to 10K, 20K in sales per month? Yeah. I mean, just keep learning, keep the charts, keep testing uh, products, uh, go super wide, not deep. So uh, okay. just because you see a really great keep a chart does not mean you buy a hundred units, yeah. <laughs> especially if you're just a new seller, uh, yeah. definitely go pretty wide. Uh, and just make sure you're keeping track of your spending, you know, your numbers and whatnot, because your spending does correlate to what your numbers will make. So, uh, if you want to hit that first 10 K you're going to need to spend at least 5,000 or so on inventory to achieve that number. So as long as you got the capital to do that, then just apply the knowledge and the work and you, you'll be able to hit that. Right. I think, I think what you said too, I think people don't emphasize that enough is you need to really know your numbers because the first few months I was selling, I wasn't really keeping track of my numbers until I got um, seller board. Um, and that, that was really an effective way to kind of see what was actually making money. All right. So being that point, is there a message or advice that you can give to new sellers that you think is just not as discussed as much in the Amazon community that you think should be? uh yeah probably like the numbers like we mentioned keeping track of your numbers uh make sure you're actually profitable because on social media we talk so much about orange bars you know uh which at the end of the day they don't mean nothing right you actually really got to look at your profit margins and make sure you're making a profit so uh and even if that means lower orange bars right i mean because someone could be hitting six figure a month but they're making ten thousand dollars or i mean not ten thousand but like maybe a thousand dollars after everything so Right. You definitely want to just keep your margins really good 
Right. And that, again, that's kind of why I really appreciated your content because it was more authentic. I think people that just kind of come on Amazon, they just see a bunch of bars and they're not really realizing you know, there's no transparency there. Like you really you're looking at, not looking at, but you really follow people that are being up on something showing their profit losses because you never know. Like you said, someone's been showing bars of 100000 they made $0 that month, right? <laughs> yeah. So awesome, awesome. So um, I wanted to ask you uh, kind of a, it's Amazon related, but just what is your new take on new sellers that are hesitant to start selling due to just horror stories of account deactivation? Because I feel like lately it's been more prevalent just seeing people's accounts just get deactivated. And I think sometimes it is Amazon because it's happened to me on another, on one of my private label accounts, but we got, we eventually got our account back um, just to kind of summarize what happened there. For some reason, they banned our buyer's account. We've never bought anything in, in, on that wow. account ever. But be, and because they banned the buyer account, the seller account also got banned. And so yeah. weird, but we got, after all these back and forth messages, trying to get it reinstated, they refused until we posted on the BBB, the Better Business Bureau. Then they reinstated it. Really odd. And I, and I found this oh. by scouring a Reddit forum. <laughs> last thread of this guy who said he did it anyways all that to say sometimes it is amazon's fault but what do you what's your take on that whole scenario that fiasco going on yeah i mean that's the thing too right like amazon is a business i mean a business is already risky enough in itself so uh and that and not just amazon right any business it could be a youtube channel it could be a discord everything comes with some form of risk even a job has some risk right you right. say the wrong thing piss off the wrong person you're fired so right. uh with that being said you know just you have to be willing to accept the risks that come with anything in life so right. the minute you sign up for that seller account you're also accepting the risk that they could deactivate your account i mean hopefully not right you don't hope it does but you also risk that happening down the road. So, uh, and for situations like that, I always tell people, you know, try to save some money or have a retainer on hand, like uh, Riverbank Consulting or Jeff Schick, uh, you know, like a lawyer on hand, some capital, just for situations like that. Because if you don't prepare yourself for something like that, that maybe could happen, mm-hmm. then you really, you know, get screwed over like that. So, right. yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, what you're saying is diversify your money. And it's hard, though, like with, for, for new sellers because they only have so much money. And if they don't put all that, I doubt they even have enough for that retainer, you know? Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, I would say, so for you uh, and your wholesale business, are you thinking about also diversifying that with like Walmart and stuff? Has that ever been a thought? Uh, I've thought about it, but I don't know. I haven't really dug too much into like Walmart, but I do see that it works though so okay. uh, uh for now we'll probably just keep scaling wholesale uh i'm hoping to reach seven figure numbers monthly so yeah. until that happens i probably really won't focus on anything else at the moment uh but who knows down the road okay so for someone who's done who's excelled in both oa and wholesale do you believe in 2023 selling on amazon is still a lucrative business it even and, and i want you also to consider Amazon state as far as saturation, demand, and customers. Uh, what say you about that? Yeah, I mean, customers have just been shopping more on Amazon the past few years, so it's, it's just going to continue on. So there's still more opportunities out there. Uh, as far as like saturation and whatnot, I mean, it has its uh, ebbs and flows, right? One minute t- uh, listings are tanking, but then a lot of sellers sell out and then they're profitable again. So uh, it just ebbs and flows, really. like. Mm-hmm. usual i mean i see this every year now at this point it's just part of the game so yeah. uh, as long as you can manage it and you know move forward you know it's always going to be a good business so what do you say to so new sellers are hesitant to sell on amazon because they fear saturation yeah uh i mean it's part of the game so it happens even at a bigger scale it's still happening so uh, just learn from those mistakes uh, see what you can do better maybe you're ready to keep a chart wrong and just you know buy something else that would better, you know, find decisions. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, I think saturation is in a lot of different ways, you know, in, in, in any business model that you go in outside of Amazon in 2023, more than likely it's pretty saturated. And yeah. it, 
If it's not saturated, it's about to be, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's, we're in the Amazon space, so we feel like everyone knows Amazon, but we're really a small percentage as it pertains to the whole population. Like not, I feel like not a lot of people really know about selling on Amazon. Um, and the ones that do know about it, they haven't even taken action. So you're still in the grand scheme of things, a small percentage. So I think saturation is pretty relevant when you, when, all, when you bring all that into play. Yeah. Plus most new sellers will end up quitting anyway. So there's really not as much competition. Right. Have you, have you seen a decline in competition from same time last year? Have you seen incline? Uh, uh, what's your take on that? It depends on the social media platform. So on Instagram, I definitely saw a decline. There is not much activity like there was last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas on Twitter, there's actually been a new like burst of people coming into the game. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. it just, again, ebbs and flows. So, yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been seeing content from people saying that they see less competition with OA. I, maybe I haven't noticed it. Maybe I've just been looking at so many damn keeper graphs that I just <laughs> haven't even like noticed it. But maybe that holds true. I honestly would think that there's always gonna be, it's always going to be increasing. Like there, I feel like there's going to be more people coming on than people dropping off, you know? Um, but I don't know. That's interesting. Good, uh, good to know your take on that. Um, Okay, so kind of conclude this with the last few questions here. Again, not really Amazon related, um, but what is your future goals um, with selling on Amazon? I know because you've already done OA, you've already done wholesale. Is your final goal being a member? Is your final goal somewhat uh, providing information to other people, courses, whatnot? Because we've got some discussion about how you can get every whole thing can't be activated and you need to have some sort of backup just in case. So that's why I think it's good if you have the information, you have good intentions, to sell the information you know. Um, so what are all your goals with uh, Amazon? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, definitely want to try to hit seven figures monthly. Uh, as far as like any course and stuff, I mean, I do have a Discord group uh, mm-hmm. that I launched maybe a month or so not too long ago. Uh, I probably will try to work on that long term for sure just to you know really help anybody who needs it uh and so really try to build up that community and actually have people who are you know serious about trying to do wholesale and really just help them really grow their business so okay so can you can you talk about that group so is it a um is it strictly wholesale is it uh is it a hybrid or how 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 is your group um deviated it's strictly wholesale, but I mean, I've had a few people who want to like OA stuff in it. So I don't know, maybe I'll add some OA channels in there if people really want it. Uh, but I really want to just stick to wholesale personally. But okay. if, if if OA helps you lead into wholesale, then I may consider something like that. So Okay. So can anyone join that group or is there a, an X amount of people that can join? Um, can, you, can you just kind of give me some more information about your group? Yeah, I mean, it's just a monthly pay subscription, $100. I mean, if you're willing to learn, you're more than welcome in there. I mean, no biggies whatsoever. So, yeah, I mean, if you're serious, then I'll take you serious as a student and whatnot and really try to teach you in there. Uh, Plus, it has course content in there, tons of videos that you can go over just to get, like, a lot of the basics out the way and really, you know, learn some of the stuff in there beforehand. Okay, so it's hundred dollars a month, and you, you. So it sounds like there's a course in that group as well as you're coaching them as well. Yeah, so we have weekly Zoom calls. If you need like one on one separate, uh, there's that option as well. Just let me know ahead of time, uh, and then we try to have weekly guests on there, other wholesalers that you know they'll break down some of their business model and some oh, cool. tips they may have. So, uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff like that in there. Okay, okay. So um, that. The, the people that are joining in your group, are they majority brand new sellers that have never sold on Amazon before, or are they OA sellers that are migrating into wholesale? Uh, definitely seeing more OA trying to go into wholesale, so I, which I think is good. Yeah. Uh, because Easier uh, for you, I think. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, and that, and you know, it makes the transition much easier because then you have most of the foundation already set as far as like VAs and stuff, and then just going into wholesale will make it so much easier. Okay. Okay. And let's go ahead. And then um, if you could promo your YouTube and Instagram, where people can find you, if they want to find more information about you. Yeah. So on Instagram, I believe it's Oscar Martinez underscore eight one seven. 
And then on YouTube, it's just Oscar Martinez, honestly. But you could just type in like Amazon, and I'm pretty sure it'll pop up. So sweet. sweet. And your YouTube is it's focused now. I think originally it was more OA stuff. Now it's migrating to just more strictly wholesale content. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing a little wholesale and then just generic Amazon tips. So uh, even if you're doing OA, some of the generic stuff in there could probably help you out a lot too. So okay, awesome. Well, Oscar, thank you so much uh, for coming on and answering all my questions. Um, like I said, I knew when you were coming on, I was pretty excited to pick your brain because most people that I interviewed, it's usually just 100% OA. So the fact that you had both, you know, in your repertoire, I know people are watching this video will get great value out of you. And I'll, uh, to everyone watching, I'll post his Instagram app as well as his YouTube link below. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, comment down here and then if you go to uh, Oscar's Instagram, I believe the Discord group, is it in your link, in your bio? Yeah, I just updated it the other day, so yeah, it should okay. be there. Okay, well, even if you're not going to join his group, follow him on Instagram. Great, great, great information. Really authentic information, transparent. Um, there's a, when you're first selling on Amazon, I really feel like you want to follow the transparent people. It's already hard enough when you're starting to sell, and then if you're following yeah. that's disingenuous, he's going to you know make the situation worse, right? So, oh, yeah. Anyways, Oscar, thanks again for coming on, man. I appreciate you coming on. No, thank you for having me, man.